Welcome to From Beyond, a podcast about consciousness, metaphysics, and a wide variety of provocative spiritual topics. I'm Michael Vodder, and I'm here with Universal Channel author and spiritual consultant Cindy Riggs. Cindy has been practicing professionally for 20 years, and she has a unique and fascinating perspective on spirituality. Michael, last week we were having a conversation about extremism, and I wondered if you'd want to discuss that a little bit more. I would love to discuss that a lot more. A lot more? Yes. Okay, great. Great. Because I think that there are some really important spiritual concepts that can come into this conversation. I concur. So what brought you, what brought us to that conversation? I'm trying um, to remember. Honestly, I think we were talking about veganism. Oh, I think you're right. <laughs> and But not just that, but all sorts of other uh, ethical stances that people take. I mean, extremism can, uh, well, religious stances, oh yeah, um, moral stances of every kind. Um, I have a number of friends who are uh, very religiously pro-life. Um, mm. mm -hmm. And that's a form of extremism. Uh, it can be. I think it depends how you, I think extremism is a way of engaging with other people. Does that make sense? It does end with yourself and your own mind it's sort of how you position a, a it's how you position a, a stance like you can hold a stance loosely or you can hold it tightly and let it define every aspect of your life and i think that that is extremism i'm thinking out loud like here it. what do yeah, you Yeah, no what? no it sounds great because i'm thinking i'm thinking of myself just this morning i uh submitted a I don't know what it's called. You sign a petition. I right. signed a petition online to boycott the daylight savings time. <laughs> oh, great. We were talking about where, that too. This is where I feel a little extreme because I'm like, this is the dumbest thing to me. <laughs> it always messes me up. And, you know, we only have four months of standard time now. Weird. It used to be a little more half and half. Hmm. I don't know why we can't just adjust a half hour and just be done with it forever. It's very confusing. Um, so that it doesn't mess up my meal times and my sleeping because it's all about me. Right. It is. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I just, it, it's something that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I rarely engage in like things like that, anything mm. political. I rarely engage in that because it's not, it's beyond duality. Or, or it is duality, and I want to be beyond duality. Right, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. So, um, but but that doesn't like make me angry all day long. I don't like okay. gather people together and do a meetup, <laughs> and we all like pick it or whatever. We're, that's not. So that's, that's not a where stance. I am with it. That's a stance that's it's loosely stance. held, right? Yeah, you feel this way about you feel this way about daylight savings time, but you're not. I do. Talking about it to everyone you meet and no. turning it into a huge, huge no. thing. Well, and to be right. fair, it's not it the that stance on daylight savings time is not central to your to your identity, whereas veganism often becomes central to a person's identity. Sure. Christianity like becomes central to someone's identity. Christianity or um, any other yes. religious stance. Sure does. Because I'm thinking, I'm just trying to put myself in a situation. Well, and I was a vegan many years ago. Hmm. Oh, and I was pretty extreme with it, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> this is before I had become um, even interested in spiritual topics, actually. Got you. When I was very much living as the dual-natured victim, really. Um, hmm. 
That's how I would describe myself. And I'm not saying that everybody who's living in their ego or who's living in duality um, is a victim, but I certainly was. So that was my one way of feeling stronger. Like this was this, I felt like, oh, I've got all this self-control. I have all this power Mm -hmm. and um, I think this is the best thing. And now I have to try to make everyone else believe that (laughs) it would be good for them too. And I I just want to apologize right here and right now to everyone who I put off by that. So I'm going to say something controversial that might offend some vegans, but like when you say that, um, and this isn't about you either, because I wasn't there when you were a vegan. But any, mm-hmm. whenever you talk about the concept of feeling control, and whenever diet is a part of that, that um, sounds pretty close to the definition of an eating disorder, right? It does. It does. Yeah. And so I do mm-hmm. think that in many, many cases, veganism manifests as an eating disorder for people, where you can feel control oh. over your own life over your own diet you can feel a, a a modicum of control over life and the world and you know the depraved um the depraved aspects of life by sort of opting into this moral framework where you rigidly control your own diet and almost mm-hmm. absolve yourself from the or you can feel like you're absolving yourself from the more brutal aspects of being human uh, at least, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm again, I'm just no, thinking out good. loud. Well, that's what we're doing here. It's yeah. fine. Um, I would have to say that, well, because I did have an eating disorder in the eighties, that was just another step of me trying to, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to do with it, but, um, probably lose weight, but, um, it was me trying to be in control of something. Cause I guess I felt as though, there were many things I couldn't control, right. which is the truth. We can't. We can only control our thoughts. But I felt so victorious with that. Right. With being a vegan, that I thought, well, this is this is perfect for me. This, I and and I also need to tell everybody, you know, that they should be doing it too because I figured like I've, I felt like I had figured out the perfect formula. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> and you personally felt better about yourself and about the world. Of course. Because you found this way of interacting with the world that that just seemed moral and just. And then you well, were I thought, projecting well, that onto everyone else. Well, and part of me, my ego, felt smarter than other people. Right. I felt that way when I first went off of gluten and dairy and other things because I was turning it not just into a personal dietary choice but into something that then I believed everyone should do mm-hmm. right because I mean you know depending on who how depending on how you analyze the information and who you talk to uh, gluten is potentially bad for everyone to a certain degree or sure more specifically the pesticides that are used in the production of wheat so mm-hmm. you know even though I mean I believed at that point that everyone should go off of gluten and then I turned it into a whole thing where I kind of like was subtly looking down at people who were eating gluten with me, even mm-hmm. though that's absolutely ridiculous. But then in my in my tiny little mind, I, I was now viewing those friends and family members as lesser because of it. And, and so mm-hmm. yep. I can yep. absolutely see that playing out in mm-hmm. the minds of, of vegans with whom I've been close. 
Right. Vegans or religious fanatics. Right. Yeah. Of any religion. And I'm not, I'm not here to bash any religion. I'm just saying, well, maybe we're here to bash the fanatics. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to bash certain religions. So oh, okay. you don't well, have I'm to. Not. Um, I don't intend to do that. But okay. because I know that religion is helpful for, for everybody. It is. Um, whatever they decide to believe at whatever point in their life they decide to believe it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many religions. Um, I think Certainly. they're all valid. They're all valid to someone. Right. But for, for anybody to think that they're right, that's when we get into trouble. It's ridiculous. Whether it's about food, whether it's about recycling, whether it's about um, religion. Yeah, it's hubris. Any, it's the mistaken belief that, that you, at any given point in time, can be truly and profoundly right about anything mm -hmm. is absolutely mm -hmm. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I can't It talk. is when you think of everybody having to agree on something. However, this, the, uh, the metaphysicians would say <laughs> everybody's right. We're all right for ourselves. Fair enough. However, how do we feel about it? I think it all comes down to if I am a vegan and I feel good about that and I don't need anybody else to be a vegan for me to feel good about that mm -hmm. then perhaps that's something that will be helpful for me yeah perhaps if my religion makes me feel wonderful and i don't need anybody else to believe in whatever that is whoever yeah. that deity well, is or whatever and quite separately from that the the nutritional imp ramifications of veganism are different for different individuals. Some people are better mm -hmm. on like a more of a yin diet, as it were, that True. doesn't involve yeah. meat and dairy. Uh, mm -hmm. Others really need the nutrients that are in meat and really suffer without it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and you know, the, the science is, is, um, is uh, by and large, the science does not support veganism. The nutritional science does oh, not. Oh, it doesn't. No, I mean, it's obviously it's easy to go online and, and find articles in support of anything, but I don't know. Of course. Um, but I, just to yeah, add that. That's interesting. I haven't really been into it for, oh my gosh, probably 15 or 20 years now. That's my own stance, obviously. And but, that's so not a spiritual stance. No, it's, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, our, what we're talking about, I guess, is, is how you hold those concepts in your mind. So let's say you are vegan. Like what is the, mm -hmm. what yes. is the, what is the spiritual, um, approach to that and to still, you know, being able to have friends and uh, right. to, to interact with people <laughs> in the world. Have enjoyable meals in restaurants. That was my biggest challenge Yeah, um, because I got pretty tired of salads everywhere. Um, but I'd love to go quantum on this for a moment if I could. Go quantum. I'd love to go quantum um, and say, well, some people say, well, I, I want to be vegan because I don't want to kill anything. Right. Okay. So, but if everything is quantum particles, mm -hmm. then nothing's ever killed. Technically, sure. it's all okay. just energy. Um, and how is an animal any more important than a blade of grass right. or a leaf of spinach? Right. It's all the same energy it's all the same creative force mm -hmm. and um from from what i've heard from the spirit world you know the creator itself or the source does not look at the cow 
as any different than leaf lettuce. Right. You're making it's a all... personal judgment call. And this, this calls back to our conversation last week. You're making mm-hmm. a personal judgment call when you decide that a cow's life is more valuable than a chicken's life is more valuable than, you know, mm-hmm. a basil plant's life. Mm-hmm. Right. That's You're right. making that decision. Uh, and everyone has their own line that they draw. I mean, even regular mm-hmm. non-vegan omnivores, we don't eat other humans. We don't eat dogs. We don't eat cats. We've... But why? Why don't we eat dogs and cats? Because for some reason we've decided, oh, we can eat this and this and this. Oh, no, not that cute little right. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's really no different than eating a rabbit or yeah. eating um, a stock they of eat camel. They, they eat camel in, uh, in Egypt. Um, <laughs> they yeah. eat kangaroo in Australia. They well, eat horse in Japan. I tried horse in Japan. Horse sashimi, believe it or not, raw little slices of wow. horse meat. Oh my god! And that's very common. Because How was that? It, I don't know. It didn't taste much different than anything else. Wow. <laughs> but I like to taste a lot of things. Um, and so you know, people make fun of certain countries cooking dogs and cats. But if that's, I mean, why they don't have a concept around this is supposed to be a pet versus mm-hmm. this is something I'm supposed to eat. Right. It's um, sort of a, yeah, it's just like as a society, we have kind of opted into this notion that it's not cool to eat other humans or dogs or right. cats or, I don't know, tigers. Like there's a whole list mm-hmm. of animals that we wouldn't eat because we experience mm-hmm. too much empathy for them. And then a certain subsection of people experience empathy for a whole other category of living things, including cows and chickens. And mm-hmm. then a certain other subsection also experience empathy for uh, fish and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then if you really want to take it all the way, you really can't eat plants either because they're alive and they That's right. they and desire they to live and to reach for the sun and all these things. Yeah, right. And right. at that point, you can't eat anything and you die. And so... Right. We uh, we talk about, oh, these ancient societies that were cannibals. Well, maybe they weren't doing that maliciously. Maybe somebody died and they thought, well, let's be, you know, right. uh, efficient here and not only honor the person. Yeah. But I mean, certainly we all descended from people who outlived the Ice Age and those folks were certainly eating each other. So <laughs> I, I think we all descend from cannibals. plain and simple yeah we do too although we don't have any proof of that i suppose but um but i know that even many societies now i don't want to say third world countries because that is also a you know an identification but um they use every part of the animal that they that they kill they honor it Right. They do like a prayer over it. Mm-hmm. They use the bones for something. They use the leather for something. They use the organs and they they right. ingest all of it so nothing is wasted. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my friend about this who uh, his uh, father is a hunter and so hunting is important in his family. They live in Alaska. And he was talking about how his dad, when whenever they would kill an animal, they would go up to it and they would sort of go through this ritual of appreciating the animal's sacrifice and of acknowledging their intention to utilize the energy of that animal for the benefit of everyone in the community. And Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, when we walk into, 
you know, Kroger's and buy a pack of hamburger meat. We don't do that, <laughs> right? No, but, we don't. But we there don't, is but... there is an ethical way to go about being at the top of the food chain, which we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that varies from mind to mind, doesn't it? It certainly does. <laughs> I know uh, what makes me sad is roadkill. Mm. And I actually, I actually always bless roadkill. <laughs> it's just a thing I do. That's cool. Because I'm like, you know, thanks for your contribution here on the planet. And I'm sorry that you just got hit one day. And yeah. now you're just going to, well, it'll still become food for something else, a vulture mm-hmm. or some other animal. Yeah. And that's the cycle of life. So back to being extreme. Yeah. I would say spiritually, it's about how we feel about it. If we are feeling right, or if we are feeling like dominant over someone else, or better yeah. or smarter, then that is not perhaps <laughs> the most spiritual standpoint. Right. Because if veganism for you is a, a way of uh, acknowledging life, and of interacting in a more uh, passive way with the world around you, that could, be a, that could be a great thing for you. It could be a spiritual practice, right? Mm-hmm. If veganism mm-hmm. is a part of your spiritual practice, then I respect that, and that's wonderful. Of course. If, and however, if, it's a way to just absolve yourself of the responsibility of being human and then to judge others around you, then that's extremism. Mm-hmm. Right. And we should probably say that we're not here to say that anybody's right or wrong, right. but that, but notice how you feel about it. Right. And if you feel at peace and you have no questions and you have no, nothing to prove, then perhaps it's aligned with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it for health reasons, for, Certainly. you know, for medical reasons. And that's fine. Absolutely. But judgment, as we know, is the ego. Yeah, and I'm sitting here. Self. I'm sitting here and judging lots of lots of vegans in this moment. So that's my own that's my own <laughs> karma in this particular well, moment. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, judgment is a human trait that we all have, but we just need to be aware of how much we're doing that. You know, what percentage of our day is in judgment? Right. Because so many people are focused on other people and judging their stuff to distract them from dealing with their own stuff. Exactly. And spiritual growth is all about dealing with our own stuff, letting go of things, um, forgiving people, forgiving ourselves, being more loving and kind. So I think that if someone is um, a carnivore, that can be done in a lovingly and kind fashion mm-hmm. or at least honoring of that right. energy for allowing you to recycle it in your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, even plants, plants have con- consciousness. Everything has consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So even if you're They've, eating a salad, it would, it would behoove one to sort of acknowledge the energy in that, in that yeah. meal of, of life and to, uh, to do uh, one's best with that energy. Mm-hmm. When I was channeling one time the Buddha, someone asked about food, what should we be eating? You know, like, 
hey, Buddha, tell us the right diet. <laughs> you know, it was basically the question. And it's even in the book, my book, Buddha Speaks. Cool. Messages from an Ascended Master. Great book. Anyway, Great book. so thank you. <laughs> it is. It is good. Uh, I like to refer to it myself. But somebody asked about food and the Buddha said, no matter what you're eating or putting in your body, make sure it's got life force in it. Hmm. And the Buddha did mention, you know, a vegetable or a fruit that's been recently picked or harvested still has some life force in it. Mm. You know, try to eat as much life force as possible. So w- in the case of a fish eater, that would be a fish that's, you know, recently caught. Right. Well, and also my own experience is that like with eggs, for example, eggs that are harvested from pastured mm. hens, which had happy and full lives, do mm-hmm. have more energy and life force in them and, and that were collected sustainably and ethically right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. They have more life force in them. And um, whereas eggs from a factory farm where the hens were treated terribly and uh, mm-hmm. subjected to inhumane conditions, those eggs have less energy and life force in them. Mm-hmm. Scientists have even done a test with two different plants where one plant, they talk to it in a loving way and the other plant, they say horrible things to it. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, the one that that's spoken to horribly does not grow. Yeah, or might even die, starts to die, mm. and that leads me to whole, you know, Masaru Emoto's all of his uh, research about the hidden messages in water, which is a wonderful book. Mm. The hidden messages in water, Masaru Emoto, cool. um, how he was able to influence ice crystals by saying love or hope versus hate Interesting. and the hate, the hate crystals were all like disfigured looking. I don't know what the right word would be. Um, asymmetrical, but the, the love crystals were all very symmetrical and beautiful like snowflakes. Wow. Mm-hmm, very interesting stuff. Huh. And so it does depend. And, and even if you had the eggs from the, um, what did you call it? The place where they're not treated that yeah, well, the, 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 the I, chickens. Yeah. From like, like past, pasture raised hens. Mm-hmm. But if you got the ones that were just, um, I don't, from a factory I don't remember farm. how you, from a factory. Yeah. yeah. From a factory, you could still honor that chicken, honor that, that was well, a fetus. Right. It's basically fetus you're eating, um, honor that egg and say, thank you for being part of my, you know, part of my health, part of my nutrition. I honor you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you were to walk up to a stranger and say, I honor you, what do you think they would think? Well, some of them might think you're crazy, but, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) you know, if you just say, you know, you're special to me, you're important. I honor you. Yeah. Like certainly that could change the consciousness of it. Absolutely. That's a very good point. I mean, because a lot of people don't have the um, ability to buy pasture-raised eggs, for example. That's right. They're really expensive. Um, or free-range chickens. Right. Exactly. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so you can, still, you can still be ethical and you can still be spiritual in your approach to your diet. Even and respectful you. to the consciousness of it. I mean, yeah. even, even though the, the animal might 
be might have ceased to live at this point, um, you can still honor its spirit. Mm. And that consciousness gets that message. Yeah. So I wonder, is this where prayer before a meal came from? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I always thought of prayer before a meal also as sort of a way of just uh, priming your digestive system to have a great experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Like, sure. Calm your digestive system and set the intention that the meal will will bless your body, mm-hmm. which I find I, to be useful. Yeah, I read a book called The Yoga of Nutrition many years mm. ago by um, Amram Mikhail Ivanov, and that was all about eating is a meditation. Mm. Yeah, you know the, the union or yoga of you know, that energy that you're putting into you. Right. Very interesting. So that's the food part. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then there's the religion part, the religion piece. Right. I mean, we can be extreme about anything. We can be. Um, Right. And sometimes we, sometimes it's, it's interesting because there's the underlying logic of whatever the stance is. You know mm-hmm. what, or, or uh, you know whatever the particular religious view is, and then mm-hmm. there's the emotional energy we carry into that, mm-hmm. and that you can't be extreme. You can't be an extremist without there being an overabundance of emotional energy surrounding your particular right. stance. Right. And why would we have so much emotion? Because we're trying so hard to be right. Maybe. Sure. We're yeah. We're trying so hard to get everybody to you know, be in our tribe about it. Right. Yeah. Whether it's a conspiracy theory or, um, a certain mineral that we shouldn't or should ingest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after a certain point, the underlying logic doesn't matter. I mean, this, I mean, this relates to our political climate, to everything. It's like you can find an article to support your view and you can share that article, but you know, it, in terms of the energy of whatever you're posting on Facebook or whatever you're talking about with your friends, it's not about the article. It's not about right. the right. logical arguments for and against. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, we could debate a particular religious view or dietary choice scientifically all day long, but that's not really what anyone's trying to do. Right. You know, you're just, mm-hmm. we have the stances that we have. Uh, and yeah. And when it comes to like feeling powerful, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I look at Facebook, not a lot, but I do look at it. And some people will say, I need prayers for my brother who was rushed to the hospital today. Now, what, it, what are they really asking for? Is anybody actually going to pray for that person? Mm. Or are they really saying, look at me, I'm having a bad day, feel sorry for me? Well, well and yeah. Underneath that, though, is a very honest and um, and uh, valid desire to to feel love and support in of that course. moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook may not be the best uh, uh, forum Platform. for that. Yeah, but but sometimes <laughs> yeah. that's all we have, right? I mean, yeah, I I empathize with somebody who's going through a traumatic event and posts on Facebook about it. Because sure. you're you're desiring love, and it's normal to desire love. That's true. That's true. But then some people perceive it as, oh, they're just wanting pity, or they're just right. trying to they're trying to right. manipulate my emotions. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I, that's all in the point of view. That could I, certainly be part of what's happening. Yeah. Right. I, because I, I hear complain. I, I mean, I hear the, the, the discussion on, on both sides. I would say that, um, yeah, if I've witnessed that, yeah, oftentimes there is like a desire for pity and like a manipulative desire for, um, mm-hmm. uh, other people's emotional response, whatnot. But underneath of that is a very sincere desire for love. And so I think that it's, it's probably, yeah. Probably at the core of everything is a sincere desire for love. Yeah, at the core of every pathology, however ridiculous, however malevolent, Mm -hmm. it's it's a Mm -hmm. desire to be loved. That's my particular view. I believe that too, even if you're a serial killer. Yeah. There's still a desperate desire. To be something. To be loved. To be loved and to be respected and to feel, yeah, to feel. A connection. Yeah, a connection to source. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. All right. So I guess I mean. Yeah. We were originally talking about extremism, right? We were. So yes. I guess we've arrived at this stance that, underneath a particular extremist view, however perverted, however pathological, its mm-hmm. manifestation may be, um, there's a desire for connection. Mm-hmm. to source. I know there's also a desire in most people just because I talk to so many people and have for so long to be right or okay or valid. Mm. You know, like they just want to feel like I'm not just here on this planet for no reason. You know, they want to feel like there's some kind of special importance, which I tend to think is more of the ego. Mm-hmm. But until they understand that they are source in a human body, right? Um, we we keep looking to other things to find that validation that we're that we're good enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, we we're looking for external sources of validation, which mm-hmm. is a losing game, right? You're never Always. you're never gonna find you're never gonna experience radical and profound validation via external sources. Right. But it's a it's a noble desire. It's a justified desire, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in this human experience, in duality. Right. 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 I actually have a spirit here that would like to talk about this. Wonderful. What, do you think you have some questions for her? It's Mother Mary. Okay. Cool. Do you think yeah, you might do that. be able to... Okay, so I'm bringing her in, and then she might just begin with a statement about what we've been talking about. Wonderful. And then perhaps you can go from there. I don't know where this will go. I have channeled Mary for quite a while. Not very often, but I have for quite a while. More than a decade. And of course, she's an aspect of the Divine Feminine or the Divine Feminine Collective. So I'll switch over to her now.
I am pleased to have the opportunity to speak to you and your audience regarding this complicated and yet very simple topic. It is complicated only because your minds make it so, but it is actually very simple. There is love and there is fear. And if you are in love, then none of these things that are what you call problems or issues even arise. If you are operating from fear, then you continue to complicate the situation and you you're, you are always striving to be the one who is right. Hmm. So that's how I simplify what you have been discussing. That is, I a, have, that is a brilliant simplification. That makes total sense to me, but <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. How do you think it may not make total sense to others? And then perhaps I can help. Um, I think at times it's hard to know whether or not one is operating from fear or love. It's hard to, um, or if, if one, I, I suppose like I can always, I'm always operating from both places to varying degrees. Most are. Yeah. Most humans are. And I would say that it is very easy to determine whether you are operating from love or fear because you will know how you feel mm -hmm. and you won't have to try to explain yourself or prove yourself. You won't have to even report on it. Mm. You are just silently peaceful and in the space of knowing. If you are operating from fear, then there are questions in your mind and there are judgments in your mind and there are things in the world that you determine are wrong or inappropriate. And then that opens up your can of worms, as you say, to more and more conversations and your minds love the fear. Your minds love it because your mind wants to conclude and be right. But your heart, where there is love, does not need any of that. So how can I, how can I love someone who is operating from fear in this or who is operating judgmentally in the way that you're saying? Are you speaking of romantic love? I'm speaking in general. I, I mean... Because love is a very, very powerful energy. And it is not an emotion, although you have this term for an emotion. Right. The problem is you do not have a term for what love really is, which is creative force or source energy. Hmm. So when you wonder how you can love someone who is operating in the ego mm -hmm. or operating from fear, you must first cease judgment of them for what you believe is that operational system. Hmm. And then you move into acceptance for their divine nature as they are choosing to express it. I see. So how do you love them? You love their truth, not their mental truth, their spiritual truth. And you allow them the space 
to move and change within their chosen operating system. And they usually choose both fear and love many times throughout a day as well. Hmm. Does that help to answer the question? It does. It does. Uh, Do you still know how to love someone when it appears they are operating from fear or ego? Um, Based on my answer? Yes, your answer is helpful. <laughs> uh, it's still a difficult experience for humans. I if, think. It, if it comes to a partnership or even a family member, you are always intending for some type of alignment with that person. Mm. And if you are not partnered with someone, then it is important to be discerning of their operating system to see if it will match with yours. Mm-hmm. Right. But there can't be an expectation that they will operate in the same way that you do. Nor do most operate from love all of the time anyway. Okay, so let's say that I am partnered with someone who is operating in a different system. How can I go about that lovingly and, uh, but without, um, uh, without compromising my own operating system if it does work Indeed, for me? Indeed, this, this becomes very complicated in relationships like this. So there must be open communication without emotion. Hmm. Once emotion is engaged, if it is negative, of course, then you will likely not come to a, a win-win conclusion, as you say, win-win, <laughs> where both sides are satisfied. I see. So then you must say, this is not going to work within my operating system. And then perhaps the person adjusts or doesn't. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that every human thinks they are correct, right. and so they are, and they are expecting the other one to change. I see. When you are truly in love with another individual, it is very easy to overlook little things that are annoying to you. I see. It's, I suppose, it, it gets easier to... Uh, to operate across operating systems, perhaps. Across? If, if I have a, a different operating system uh, from another person, mm-hmm. and I also, uh, the degree to which I like and respect and love that person may mm-hmm. alter my ability to, to get along with them despite the difference. Is that this fair? This is where, mm, yes. And, but this is where you must notice how you feel in your heart about the person. Spend a day away from them mm-hmm. and then reunite with them to see how you feel about them. It is, it is the mind that creates the conflict always. Mm-hmm. In the heart, there is no conflict. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are answers in the heart or the gut. But then it is not that you need to create some kind of dramatic mm, ending to the relationship. It is something that can be mutual and loving and decided upon together. Right. Does that help? It does. Yeah, that answers my... uh... And while 
while I am making generalizations based on your questions, everyone who is listening has a unique situation. Right. Yes. Of course, physical safety is very important. And so if there is a situation where someone is not physically safe, then they must move themselves into a different situation. Okay. Other questions? Well, our conversation today was originally about extremism. So how does this yes. relate to the concept of extremism, be it, ah. be it religious extremism or dietary extremism, what have you? Mm, I would still like to talk about relationships when I talk about extremism because okay. when I think of how it relates to a relationship, you have this term, humans say that there are certain behaviors or activities that are deal breakers. <laughs> and that is only constructed in the mind as a block. I see. Now, everyone can decide what their deal breakers are. And they are free to do that. You are here in the free will zone and you have free will to choose that. You also have free will to choose any belief system that you wish to choose. Mm. There are thousands and thousands of religions on your planet now. Mm -hmm. And all do have, for the most part, most of them have benefit to those who are following them. So... It is important that humans understand that you are no longer, it is no, it is no longer necessary for you to be in tribal societies. So ideally, as we see it from the spirit world perspective, it is something that is unique to each individual and personal to each individual, such as the religion of each individual. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Therefore, there is no need to be extreme. I see. If one is praying um, 20 hours of their 24-hour day, perhaps they are not quite aligned in the operational system of love for they are so fearful that they feel as though they must pray all day long. Ah, uh, yes. This is a form of extremism as well. Mm. It is out of balance. I see. That's, that makes sense that... Uh juxtaposition of, of, uh, well, that extremism as being opposed to balance. Yes. And when it comes to food, this also has to be unique to each individual. Each individual's body has its own wisdom. Hmm. And if the individual learns how to connect with their own body's wisdom, then they will naturally know what foods are aligned or misaligned with their body and I their see. health. I see. But those who are extreme into a nutrition or diet program in order to change something about a disease or an illness are most of the time focusing too much mental energy into the disease or illness Mm. And that is the toxic energy that is causing it more so than the diet. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that makes total sense. 
So I hope I have contributed to your conversation today. This, this web of deal breakers that we lay for others in our lives, how do we, how can we best think about that? Because you acknowledged the fact that it's okay and perhaps right and normal to have deal breakers. Right? Think Weeks. about how you would want to be treated and how you would want to be forgiven or accommodated if you were to make a mistake or say something you didn't mean to say in a moment of operating from fear. Hmm. There is nothing absolute in your reality. So do not allow these absolute concepts to be held tightly in, in the mind. Wow, yeah. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for allowing me. Thank you, Mary. I'm bringing myself back as she's slowly leaving me. That was pretty helpful, I think, what I heard. Yeah, Michael? yeah, I, I think that related directly to what we were saying and kind of uh, injected a, a more spiritual and agnostic perspective. I like how she simplified. Yeah. In the beginning of it. Yeah. So there's probably not much, much more for us to talk about, is there? Not really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> leave the listeners with Mary's words. Yeah. Well, I'm always honored to channel. Thank you, and thank yourself for taking the time to entertain some new spiritual concepts today. I hope it has been interesting and or helpful. You can find Cindy's channel books on Amazon. Kindle versions also available. And visit my website, cindyriggs.com. 